This is the Gospel for Life, where we have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. Around the table today is Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Jonathan Van Hoogen from Dayspring United Reformed Church, Vinnie Hanke from Valley Life Community Church, and Ryan Hemphill from Treasure Valley Reformed Presbyterian Church. To catch earlier broadcasts, just search The Gospel for Life wherever you subscribe. To find out more about this ministry and about our annual conference, go to ReformationBoise.com. Welcome back to The Gospel for Life. It's always good to start the day with you. We, once again, don't have the, the our four quote regulars, but they're kind of regulars. It's Vinny and Josh and Jonathan and myself in the studio today. In the summer months, you are going to hear a variety of voices, just trying to coordinate between vacations and trips and conferences and church commitments, whatever it might be. So we are just thankful that there are four people in the studio. That is actually not as easy as it sounds during the summer months. So gentlemen, always good to be with you guys in the studio. How has your day been going, your week? Excellent. Been very good. Yeah. It's good to be with you all. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we look forward we we always look forward to being together on a Tuesday morning recording. We we have the opportunity to not only record the shows but we have an interact our opportunity to interact off the air and and sometimes it's very lighthearted. We're thankful that they're not on perpetual record. Yeah. <laughs> uh, agree. Yeah. We may have lost our jobs a while ago. <laughs> yeah. Um but there are also times when we have the opportunity to talk about serious things that are going on in our in our lives and our congregations and get to bounce things off one another and so you as the listeners should know that we enjoy being with you as the listener but we actually enjoy being with just each other probably a little bit more than we enjoy the recording part Mm -hmm. but we have been talking about evangelism and yesterday we left off talking about a man-centered versus a god-centered approach i'm actually in a reformed church now but i was not always in those circles i grew up on the other side of the theological spectrum I grew up in mostly an Arminian theological framework and in my college years shifted into a, a Reformed covenantal framework. And one of the the things that is different in those frameworks is with regard to evangelism, in my earlier years, it was very much you're forcing, you're pushing the other person to make a, a decision. Mm-hmm that they are, if you will, holding the cards. The picture that was in our home was of Jesus, Revelation 3.20, standing outside of the door and knocking. Mm -hmm. Um, That was seen as an evangelistic verse. I think if you actually read it in its context, you'll realize it's not an evangelistic verse at all. It's actually a communion verse of, of Jesus Christ seeking communion with his people, not seeking their salvation. But that was taken as he's standing at the outside of the door. There is no handle on the outside of the door. Jesus cannot get in. Hopeless, helpless Jesus on the outside, desperately hoping that you on the inside will open the door and let him in. And that really does not work with the rest of 
God's word. We don't see a, a helpless Jesus in any other part of Scripture. And so that would be a difference between a man-centered and a God-centered approach. God is not waiting for the sinner. Yep. It's not a middle school boy on the wall at the dance yes. waiting for a yeah. girl to cross the room. Yes. What, what you get, and this is what is so encouraging, what you get from the very opening chapters of Genesis is a God that's pursuing his people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And isn't that a wonderful comfort Yeah, that God pursues lost sinners? Yeah. Well, it's a comfort in this respect, too, that um, we know that uh, God says not a word of his will fall to the ground that doesn't accomplish his purpose. And so, you know, sometimes sometimes you have to realize even in your witness to the truth, the purpose may simply be to harden the heart of a sinner rather than necessarily convert that sinner. But God is going to do God is going to use those words to accomplish his purpose. In in this sense, you know, the results don't depend upon me. They've always depended upon God. Uh, you know, when we t- realize that he's the one that you know, he's the one that changes the heart, regenerates the heart, makes it think God's thoughts after him, converts it, fills it. The work is all his. He sends me out as his ambassador, as his as witnesses. You know, you go into all the world and preach the gospel. I'm we're to do that, but the results are the, his. Some you know, the Bible says, some plant, some water, but the Lord gives the increase. And that's where it all uh, comes down to. That's the that's the God centered part of evangelism. So I maybe I I don't actually know the answer to this question. So it's always a little bit um, awkward asking this on air without any type of prep be- beforehand. Have you guys all read um, J.I. Packer's book Evangelism in the Sovereignty of God? I have not. I read yes. I read that in seminary. I remember reading it in seminary. Of course, I was uh, like you. I not really come to a reformed understanding of of evangelism i can remember reading about the sovereignty of god and being upset and uh and and that because i had kind of a man-centered approach to those things and so so reading that was a light bulb moment for me when i had to come to grips with the truth of god's ultimate sovereignty and everything it was freeing for me. I mean, I remember I grew up in a very similar circle to, to you, Russ, and so I was paralyzed by fear that mm-hmm. I was going to screw the, my gospel presentation up and therefore condemn this person approach, you know, across from me, and, I, and they were just going to reject Christ because I didn't have the right words, wasn't at the right time, and wasn't the right person. And when I began to move into a Reformed theology, in particular Packer's book, The Sovereignty of God, it was so freeing to think that of the images that you mentioned, Jonathan, of an ambassador. An ambassador carries the weight of the nation that empowers that individual to, to present information. Mm-hmm. And so all of a sudden, the weight of God was behind me as I just presented the truth and trusted him with the mm-hmm. results. That It became much easier to evangelize mm-hmm. and, and share and trusting the goodness of God and the sovereignty of mm-hmm. God with what that individual will do, would do with it. I just remember reading the book. It was actually one of the first kind of series of books that I read after coming into a Reformed understanding of, of, of God's Word. So there was – we all have these moments, right, when we read certain books in certain pockets, mm-hmm. and that was in that first wave of books that I was reading as I came into Reformed theology. And I grew up really with a, a ton of false guilt with regard to this. Some of those same sentiments that Vinny was saying – this person's going to be, I mean, we would be right. told this. Yeah. This, that person's going to be in hell 
eternally because you were afraid to share the good news of the gospel. I mean, <laughs> that was that was quite a weight for a teenage kid because we were told mm-hmm. this in youth group. Yep. Mm-hmm. What do you mean you're not sharing the gospel with your classmates? You might be the only opportunity this person will ever <laughs> have in their entire life to ever hear the gospel, and you didn't take it. And now they're in hell forever because of you. <laughs> think think about also Such what a... that says about God. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Like, okay, so not only you're heaping up guilt on the individual, but God is so powerful and almighty that he needs our help. And if he doesn't get our help, people are going to go to hell. What kind of a God is that? Is that the God of the Bible? Is that the God who says, I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end? If calamity comes to a city, it's because of me. I create evil. I create darkness. I create light. I create good. Is that the God, the same God who needs our help in evangelism? And this is not, a, I'm not saying we ought not to evangelize. What I'm saying is that's a false view of why we should evangelize. Let, let's go for a moment back into the Old Testament to the book of Jonah, uh, an evangelistic book. Right? I mean, Jonah is being commissioned to do God's work, to bring the good news of the gospel to Nineveh. Yep. What's the center verse of the book? I think it's chapter four, right? I knew you were a God who was steadfast love. No, I mean, literally, what's the center verse? Salvation is from the Lord. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Yep. Yep. Mm -hmm. Isn't that fascinating? In the center of this book, of the commissioning of the prophet to go with the good news of the gospel to Nineveh, the center verse is salvation belongs to the Lord. Yeah. yeah. One of the best evangelical sermons ever is like two sentences. Yeah. Woe to Nineveh, you'll be destroyed. <laughs> In 40 days. In 40 days. And then the entire city, majority of them, repent. Because. God is merciful and salvation belongs to the Lord. Yes. Yeah. And I, I think that just, for me, that is so important to, to wrap my mind around the, the sovereignty of God in regarding salvation but also regarding evangelism yeah um but does that make it so that we then aren't going to evangelize but does a belief in the sovereignty of god hinder effective evangelism no i think that actually it propels evangelism in fact if you look at the history of even missions itself you know william carey the father of uh, of world missions you know a calvinist i mean you understand when you're going out you know that god is at work and god is drawing people from every uh, language tribe and nation to himself and and this actually gives you great hope when you go out in fact when i share when you share the gospel you have hope that god is going to use that to bring people to himself i you know i have a hard time saying you know that I that I saved anyone. You know, in fact, that even just saying that sticks in my my throat. You know, <laughs> because God is the one who is saving, and so yeah, that that whole thought. I can you know I can witness because God is going to use those words. I've I've heard this multiple times. Oh, you're a Calvinist. Then if you, if God are if if there's only the elect and the non-elect, then then why even preach the gospel? Because those elect are going to be saved no matter what. And and the, the how you answer that question determines whether you're preaching a man-centered gospel or a God-centered gospel. The, the main motive for preaching the gospel is the glorification of God. Uh, yes, I'm aiming at the salvation of sinners. That's 100% true. But that's penultimate. Yep. Ultimately, I want God to be loved and adored and treasured and made much of in the world. Mm-hmm. That's why we preach the gospel. Mm-hmm. And I think this centers back to tie what Josh is saying back to what Vinny said earlier. We're ambassadors. 
Mm -hmm. We're ambassadors for God. Mm -hmm. And so we want to declare who God is and his work in this world and and not only his ownership of it, that he's creator, but that he is grieved by the rebellion of mankind. And he desires to restore man to what he created him to be. And he initiated a work that we get to proclaim. Mm -hmm. I mean – that, that's the joy of evangelism is that we get to represent God to a lost world and make known the work of God to this world. And so I think the more we have a, a big view of who God is, a reformed, what I would say, a reformed mindset, mm-hmm. of course we want to declare this. Yeah. I remember when when I first came to Reformed Theology and I realize, oh, what does this mean for my kids? They, they were still pretty small. And I, and I was thinking, if God is sovereign, I feel so out of control with my kids. And I called up Matt Marine. I was walking through Albertsons. And I said, if, if God is sovereign and, and people only get into heaven through election, then what does this mean for my kids? And he just asked me, do you think you love your kids more than God loves your kids? Do you think you had control before? What, what, what really has changed? Reformed theology actually helps you to see the love of God. Abraham, real quick. Abraham was in Ur of the Chaldees. His family was pagan worshipers. God didn't wait for him to come to him. God drug him out of Babylon, Mm -hmm. and he planted the nation of Israel. We rest in the view that God reigns and rules over all things, and all things are under his perfect control and sovereign power and sovereign will, and that frees us to be ambassadors for him because we don't carry the weight of somebody's salvation because salvation belongs to the Lord. And hopefully you can also rest in that that truth and reality. And we will talk more of this next time.